Hallelujah. He is holy. He is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the book of John 18. John 18, verse 36. It's been our, our verse for this series. Uh, it says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Amen. So tonight is the Clash of Kingdoms Part 2. Amen. Greet some people around you as you're seated this evening. Man, we, uh, we began this series uh, talking about uh, civilizations and kingdoms of this world uh, <clears throat> all the way back from the beginning of time and uh, understanding that uh, a civilization or a kingdom uh, has a, a foundation of laws and regulations that uh, helps it govern itself and govern the people. Uh, in which it stands upon, and, and those laws, uh, they define its scope, its power, its, its reach, and its attributes to its greatness, and uh, describes uh, the inner workings of uh, the kingdom and, and the government uh, of the civilization. And so we, we know and we claim that uh, our civilization, the, the great American experiment, is uh, unlike any other um, uh, previous civilizations. And we stand upon, uh, you know, we stand proudly that uh, with our flag uh, as, as, as Americans uh, because we know that our, our founding document is uh, unlike any other with its liberties that it grants to its citizens and also the restraints that it puts upon the government uh, to create the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, we saw that our founding fathers, they were men of faith, uh, believing uh, that they were not uh, atheistic or uh, agnostic, but in their writings and in their life uh, is a, a testament of their faith in God and in the word of in the word of God uh, to uh, subscribe one's life and, and morals and beliefs to that uh, the rock the the word of God and it makes you uh, have a, a better life the best life you can have is to be submitted to the word of God. And I believe that uh, many or most of our founding fathers uh, obviously understood and, and held the word of God near and dear to their heart um, and lived as best as they could, I guess, according to that. They attributed our, our basic rights uh, coming from nature's laws and coming from nature's creator. And they pledged their giving their all. Uh, to each other and their wealth and all those things, as they said, with the help of divine providence. And so they truly were uh, men of faith. Um, obviously, I don't think they were 
pastors or preachers, but they definitely uh, seem to uh, be uh, attend the church. And obviously, the world was different back then, where towns were built around the church. And uh, if you didn't come to church, uh, I'm sure the church came to you. Uh, obviously, we're in a different world today. Um, but uh, these uh, our founding fathers were men of faith, and uh, some quotes uh, uh, from our some of our most famous ones. Uh, John Adams had said, he said, the Christian religion is above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times. The religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity, as he described Christianity. Benjamin Franklin said, as to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion of whom you particularly desire I think the system of morals and his religion as he left them to us, the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. George Washington said, you do well to wish to learn our arts and our ways of life, above all the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Uh, Those are just three uh, of the most famous names of our founding fathers. And you can obviously tell by what they had said that they just weren't uh, Christmas and Easter uh, Christians. That they obviously would adhere to their uh, convictions and live according to the word of God. And so we we clearly understand that the Bible... uh, uh, had such a huge role in the formation of our great country and the principles uh, found in it as, as they in, in included those in the formation of this document. Uh, but if just taking bits and pieces and principles from the Word of God and putting them into our, uh, our founding documents, just taking bits of those, And if that makes us one of the greatest, if not the greatest country in the world, then what does that say about such a kingdom that is solely and completely based upon the word of God? If we take bits and pieces of it and we say we're the best, what if there's a kingdom that is 100% dependent upon that? That by itself, by our standards, would be so much superior and better than ours if we're only taking bits of it and incorporating that into our society. Uh, If our Constitution has made us this great, imagine a Constitution uh, that was just completely the Bible. Uh, And that is why we must recognize and declare that as great as a country that we are, that there is another kingdom that is greater than we are or will ever be, and that is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom uh, that is not of this world, but it is on its way here physically. Uh, It is here spiritually inside of us that we are uh, conforming ourselves and our livelihood to this kingdom as citizens of it, but uh, there's coming a day where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to bring his kingdom with him, and then this whole entire world will get to experience the kingdom of heaven in this world that is solely, completely governed by the word of God. And there is going to be a clash of kingdoms, and we all 
are already told which kingdom is going to stand and endure forever and is not going to be the United States or any other country of this world. As we had uh, looked into last week in Daniel's prophecy, the kingdom that is going to come and shatter to pieces every other kingdom uh, of this world. And so if we want to survive this coming clash of kingdoms, if we want to be on the winning side, then we need to align ourselves with the constitution of the coming kingdom, which is the word of God. And since the clash is coming, it would be good, uh, it would do us good right now to work out any potential areas or overlaps or uh, uh, dispergence uh, uh, where the word of God and our way of life conflict or or don't align up. Um, and, And so it's a matter of, it doesn't matter how many senators vote for something or it doesn't matter if Congress votes unanimously in favor of something. If, if it goes against the word of God, then it is not going to stand. Uh, it will be cut asunder by the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so uh, being we have such a, a great document in our, uh, our possession, uh, uh, in our country to which it is uh, sewn into our culture and, and we love and near, hold near and dear our constitution to our hearts and our lives. Uh, so it, it would be good to us, good for us to examine what we hold near and dear to our heart, compare that to the word of God because we already know which one is greater. Uh, and so uh, the thing that we love so dearly and cling to, if we love our Constitution so much, we had better love the Word of God even more. Otherwise, we have a problem and there is a clash of kingdoms. And so we have our Declaration of Independence, which leans heavily on uh, unalienable rights that are given to us from our Creator uh, to, for us to... Uh, for, for life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and, uh, and all of these things, self-governance. And uh, we, we kind of uh, poked a little bit into the declaration last week, but um, tonight we're going to begin looking into the, the actual, uh, the rest of it, the Constitution itself. And um, after the, the declaration, the, uh, the preamble, uh, the introduction of, of our documents, there are then seven articles, each article spelling out uh, the, the, the breadth and width of each um, part of our uh, uh, government. you got the executive branch and the uh, uh, Congress and, and judicial branch, and it goes into those things and provides uh, um, boundaries and, and liberties to those things to the govern. Uh, our society, which that in itself is, is I guess, is neutral. There doesn't really talk about much biblical stuff in those things. It's all uh, government and lawyer talk and, and, and things like that. But uh, after the seven articles uh, laying out how these this government is going to work, then we begin to get into the bread and butter of it all um, and the, the sacred amendments. Uh, and so this is where it seems that most of our court cases seem to stem from is uh, people declaring things unconstitutional and uh, s- 
trampling on our rights and our amendments and you can't do this, you can't, uh, you're, you're denying me of my rights and all these things or any, you're overreaching of the government or any other business or opportunity or entity that is overreaching and, and, uh, and uh, violating our rights. Uh, they, we tend to draw them from the amendments. Um, and so the, the first amendment goes like this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And so that is our precious First Amendment. Uh, it, it, it declares that we have no official religion. That anybody can have any religion that they desire. Uh, they can worship any god that they want, and they can make an any any idol they choose of. And uh, the the government doesn't care, and is not going to get into that, and will not say anything about it or do anything about it. And uh, while this amendment is such a critical pillar to our foundation, uh, it clearly doesn't align with the Word of God. Because uh, by the word of God says, worship God. And our first amendment says, worship who you want. What seems so promising in our declaration of independence for a, a country uh, that was focused and formed by the word of God and the principles of the Bible, and you see the men that signed their names to it, obviously their lives were formed by it, and they they, we read a few of them that confess that there's no other greater religion than Christianity. But yet after the introduction, we begin to write things out. Then they say, well, you can worship whoever you want to worship. Uh, it it kind of seems, uh, seems a little odd that their lives were formed by uh, Christianity and they believed in it so wholeheartedly, but yet... They had the opportunity to make it an official religion, uh, 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 Christian religion, but then they said you can worship whoever you want to worship. And obviously, uh, I'm not tearing that down. That is that is an amazing amendment to be able to, to provide such freedom to do that. But again, we're comparing our precious uh, documents against the Word of God, and we're already first one in. Uh, we're already seeing some issues. Uh, and so it clashes with our creator because we say you can worship whomever you want, but God says there are no other gods beside me, that I am the one true living God, and the worship of any other god or idol is a sin against me and my kingdom. Uh, and to say that uh, you can worship whoever you want to worship is is not really setting things up for 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 success in accordance to the word of God. Uh, and so a clash of kingdoms within a few words of the First Amendment. Now, uh, I, I realize that declaring oneself to be neutral is not necessarily a sin. The government's just saying we're neutral, we're not taking part of this, and that's, that's not necessarily a sin. And uh, our, our Constitution obviously does not say you must worship God and God alone, Jesus and Jesus alone, and it does not say there will be penalties for worshiping other gods. 
Uh, it just removes itself from the equation and provides its citizens with the opportunity and freedom to choose whom they will serve. But yet, all of them seem to serve Jesus uh, and uh, attested that uh, there really is no other religion. But informing that the country, they says, whoever you want. Uh, obviously, we being uh, Christians and adhering to the word of God, we would love them to have formally made it, right, a, a, a Christian, re- Christian country officially, um, apart from the hidden uh, allurements or, or uh, uh, I can't think of it, but references, references to the word of God and Bible, you, they could have, they could have just cleared out and just, just made it, hey, we're worshiping God. Uh, he's the one who brought us here. He's the one we pray to. He's the one we're, we're, we're looking for divine providence from, the creator. I mean, uh, we are uh, here because of him. And, uh, but yet when it came down to it, they said, worship whoever you want. Upon entering the promised land and conquering most of it, after the fighting had ceased and the time had come to return to their lands, and the homes and begin to enjoy the blessings of the land, Joshua gathers the people together. And this is what he says in Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord uh, and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods of your fathers serve that are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we would forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And so, uh, again, this is, uh, uh, imagine if the f- uh, founding fathers had says, fear the Lord and serve him. Uh, with your with your whole heart and serve him with sincerity and in truth. I mean, uh, imagine how much that would have changed things. Uh, if they they lived their lives that way, but yet when it came to that, they obviously said you can serve whoever you want. Here, with Joshua, he gives them he he tells them uh, choose you this day. It was the beginning of the nation of Israel. They finally came into the land, the borders of the land that God had given them. And so after the fighting was over, they had conquered most of it. Now it was officially theirs, and they officially were put on the map. This is where Israel is. Uh, And so that was their declaration. They had their uh, constitution already written for them, the the law of Moses that was given uh, to Israel by uh, by Moses on Mount Sinai. And so... They had their constitution, and, and look how well they followed their constitution. Fast forward to our country, and uh, uh, they, uh, Israel were told, hey, there's no other gods. God, Yahweh is the only God. I mean, with all the miracles, you can't argue with that. Uh, and they said, uh, fear the Lord, serve him. And, and so uh, there's only one God. And so you fast forward to today in our country, and we stand up and we say, uh, you are free to worship whoever you choose. It's like the founding fathers kind of took that part of Joshua, choose you, whom this, choose you this day whom you will serve, but they left out everything else. 
uh, and they made that into an amendment, and, and we're, we're grateful for that freedom to choose uh, uh, who we want to serve and, and, and worship, but uh, the truth is freedom is the hardest test to pass. In, in Russia and many other countries or uh, in China, Christians, Christians are tested by, their, by hardship. But in America, we are tested by freedom. And testing by freedom is so much harder. Because nobody pressures us about our religion. Nobody comes knocking on our doors. Who are you, who are you, who are you praying to? Uh, so we relax, and we're not really so concerned uh, with a country, our country. We're not so concerned about religion because we're not, it's never tested because we have the freedom that prevents the testing to happen. And so, therefore, freedom is one of the hardest things to, uh, to submit to and to, to endure uh, something because you, you don't have to do it. And to do it, it's a fight to do it uh, because we don't have to do it. Uh, and so God gave Adam and Eve the freedom to choose, and that didn't go over well. They didn't pass that test. Uh, and so after the flood, man still had the freedom to choose whom they would serve, and they ended up uh, at Babel, worshiping themselves and building temples and uh, to all, all these other gods. And the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt, and they had the freedom to worship Jehovah, and they decided, hey, let's make a golden calf and worship that instead. Joshua gave them the freedom to worship, choose uh, you this day who you're going to serve. And what happened uh, that day, they said, we're, we're not going to forsake God. God forbid we do that. We're serving the Lord. And, but one generation later, they're serving other gods. They forgot about God. Uh, it seems that there's a proven habit that is formed when man is given the freedom to worship. Most people don't worship God. Uh, a vast majority of people don't end up worshiping the creator. They don't humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. They, they take their liberty and worship whom they choose, which obviously clashes with the word of God because the Bible says worship God and God alone. And so our first amendment provides us with that choice and that freedom, the option to worship whoever we want, but uh, obviously... Uh, we have to choose, uh, and we have to align ourselves with the greater document, and that is the Word of God if we want to endure. Uh, and so the next part of our First Amendment is the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press. You can say whatever you want. You can write whatever you want. The newspapers and press can uh, publish anything that they want. Uh, and so here in America, you can say whatever you want about whomever you want. And, and I guess maybe that is one of the truest tests of freedom is that you can say whatever you want without any consequences. And, and can you criticize and call the leader of your nation whatever you want? That's a true test of freedom. Uh, in the freest nation of the world, we can. But this liberty is truly a liberty because nearly everywhere else in every other country or kingdom, if you, it seems if you opened up your mouth and spoke negatively against the king or queen or the monarch or whoever's in charge, the emperor, you spoke against them, uh, you are probably looking for a gravestone. 
yet here we can say whatever we want about whoever, even the president or our leaders. We can say whatever we want without consequence. And that's something that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Is you can't tell me what to do or say. Uh, it's my right. Uh, and so uh, we hold that uh, to our hearts. You can't tell me what to say. I can say what I want to say. Well, that's great. But what does the word, word of God say about all that? We can hold up to the Constitution or we can align ourselves with the word of God, what that says. Um the third commandment uh, says in Exodus 20, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And so it seems that speech may be a little bit restricted in the kingdom of God. You take his name in vain and there's going to be, you're guilty. Here in America, you can take his name in vain and Ameri uh, our government doesn't care. Obviously, God's still taking record. But uh, in the kingdom of God, obviously, uh, it's not complete free speech. Um, well, I guess it is. You can take his name in vain if you want. Uh, but you're, you are going to be guilty of that. Here in America, you're not guilty of anything you say. Obviously, now hate speech is now being worked in, and they can prosecute you for certain things, I guess, now. Uh, but uh, for the most part, we can say what we want without consequence. And, and so uh, our First Amendment declares that we can take the name of the Lord's name in vain, and our government's not going to do anything about it. Uh, obviously, before the speech, there's no religion, so they're not, they're not declaring a religion, so not, they don't care if you take the name of the Lord in vain or anything else. But apart from taking the name of the Lord in vain, uh, I think the Word of God does give liberty to speech. Um, it, it provides us warnings, though, about what we say. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, so you can say what you want, but there's death and life in what you say. Uh, James uh, says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison, therewith bless we God, even the Father, uh, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. And so, obviously, uh, James is speaking about how evil uh, our tongue is and the words that come out, how, uh, again, Death and life are in what we say. So you can say whatever you want, but you got to be careful because death and life are in it. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 12. O generation of vipers, how uh, can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaketh. A, a good man out of the good, good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But... I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And so Jesus says, I'll give you the First Amendment, I'll give you your freedom of speech, 
Yet you can say anything you want to say, but I'll keep record of every single word. And you will be held accountable for every single word you've ever spoken of in your entire life. So go ahead and say whatever you want to say. But here in America, oh, how we love the First Amendment and our our freedom of speech and, and how we can say whatever we want without any consequences. But in the kingdom of God, you're judged by every single word you say. Maybe not necessarily in this life, uh, but Jesus said you're going to be judged. Every word is taken into account. Uh, and so we do have the freedom of speech, but we also have consequences for every, every single word that is spoken. And so obviously there's a clash of kingdoms right there. Uh, and so... Um, which one are we going to hold ourselves to? Uh, holding ourselves to the greater one is always the right thing to do, and especially when it's the word of God. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. And so uh, you can say whatever you want. We've been, we've been living our lives proudly, declaring the First Amendment, saying whatever we want without consequence of the government, which is great. But know that we're not all without consequence with God because every word will be judged. Musicians, if you would come. But it all comes down to which document we love more, the First Amendment or the Word of God. Because we are seeing how little restrictions there are in our government, um, it provides us so much room, so much freedom that we grow to, to love and hold near and dear uh, to our heart, our, our, our documents and our Constitution uh, but we must not forget that there is a greater document out there, which is the word of God. And there is a greater kingdom out there, which is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, because that is solely based upon the greater document, the word of God. And so that supersedes our great country and our great constitution, that there is something even greater out there uh, that is going to be here soon. And so the last part of our First Amendment is the freedom to assemble and to peacefully protest our government or any cause that we want to peaceably protest. Uh, and so I don't, <coughs> I don't really think the Bible really addresses this uh, exactly, uh, this right that we have, obviously, Many things that we have nowadays in America, they were not even permitted back then. Uh, so the right to peacefully protest, you want to get your, your buddies together and protest against the king, good luck with that. You probably won't be coming home. Uh, so again, this, this uh, freedom, this liberty that we have just to go out and uh, picket, picket the fences and march around the White House and all that, we can do that. Try, try doing that uh, a thousand years ago, and again, you wouldn't be coming home. Uh, and so uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about uh, protesting and, and all these things, but we, we hear we, we, that's a, a right that we love and we hold near and dear. Uh, so where does the Bible stand on it, uh, on our freedom to assemble and protest? And I, I think uh, the message that it sends is similar to the free speech right uh, that... 
you can say whatever you want, but you'll be judged by every word. Uh, as regards to peacefully protesting, I think the word of God probably uh, would say something like this. Protest at your own risk. Because if you think about it, somebody who is living by the constitution of the kingdom of God, living by the word of God, what are you going to protest about? You know, what are you going to protest? God, we don't like this. God, change these laws. Change these. We don't, we don't approve of this, Lord. What are we going to, somebody who's really submitted to the word of God, what are, you gonna pro, what are we going to protest? And where are we going to do that? And uh, who's going to listen? And is, is that really a good idea? Maybe we can, maybe protesting, the word protest maybe is a Hebrew word that means murmur and complain. I don't know. But uh, I tried to come up with, an ex find an example about protesting, and uh, maybe this, this is the best one I can think of uh, up until now. But when Israel was in the wilderness uh, during that trying time and the development of, uh, of their government and, and, and nation there, um, Moses was the, the chosen leader by God, but there came a day where it seems like a little uh, a rising up or a protest happened, uh, by, uh, led by a man named Korah. Uh, and we, we see this uh, play out in number 16, says, Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abram, uh, the sons of El Eliab and On, uh, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You Take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and uh, the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And so it seems like there's a little protest forming. They're, they're not liking how Moses and Aaron are kind of handling things. Uh, and so they form a little protest. Small, seems peaceable. 250 men plus Korah, and so uh, they just come and they want to uh, bring their grievances uh, against uh, Moses, as our Constitution says, the right to peaceably assemble and bring your grievances to the government. And so here they are bringing their grievances, protesting peacefully. Uh, and Moses heard he fell on his face, and he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, even tomorrow the Lord will show uh, who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto the him and even him whom he hath chosen he will cause to come near unto him. Uh, this do, take ye censers, Korah, and all his company and put fire therein and put incense then in them before the Lord tomorrow and it uh, shall be the man whom the Lord doth choose. He shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And so this is kind of spelling out what's going to happen. Uh, 
basically they're going to let God choose since this, this protest has started. But we're taking it to God. He's, he's, the, he's the one in charge of this government and this nation. Uh, and so we'll bring it to him and get censors, put a light in there, uh, and uh, we'll do this tomorrow. And verse 16 says, Moses said unto Korah, uh, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, though uh, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. Take every man his censer, put incense in them, and bring ye there before the Lord every man his censer too. 150 censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer, put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Korah gathered all the congregation against them uh, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. So now God shows up, deals with this, going uh, to deal with the protest here. Uh, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Not looking good for the protesters. Protest at your own risk. In the kingdom of God. Uh, and so, if you stand with me, verse 31. Came to pass, as he had made an end of the speaking of the words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, it, just, it broke open. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that uh, appertained unto Korah and all their goods, they and all they had appertained to them, went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. All, all Israel that were around about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And so uh, there went that protest. Um, and so again, we can... We can freely do that without consequence here based on our government and our documents. But in the word of God, it's, it's more along lines of protest at your own risk. It's amazing that, that story that happened, and, and I skipped over a few, obviously, and, and God's talking with Moses, and God's going to say, I'm going to wipe them all out. And, and, and Moses is like, God, but if they die like everybody else, then they're going to say, you know, they're going to say, I was in on this. Something different needs to happen that has never happened before. That way it's, they know it's you. That they can't blame me and say, ah, Moses did something and killed them all, so we're blaming him. No, it has to be something totally different that I, that I cannot do. A new thing, Moses said. And so what God said, okay, then I'll open up the earth, swallow them, close the earth behind it. Moses can't do that. There's no question that's God. And so that's exactly what happened. And uh, the people saw all that happen, and they ran away, and they're afraid and all these things. Uh, but it's, it's amazing what happened. The story continues. Verse 41, after that happened, on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand why they would do that. Uh, after what they had just witnessed, and now they're murmuring against Moses, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. came to pass that when the congregation was gathered against Moses and Aaron, that they 
looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory appeared. God came down again. I deal with this. This is obviously a big, another protest. They're protesting the protest that got wiped out. They didn't learn their lesson. We can tell what kind of people these people were. Very stubborn, as God said. Uh, and so, um, uh, obviously, the Lord told Moses, step aside again. Got to deal with these people. Uh, but obviously, uh, Moses told Aaron to grab the incense and run into the crowd. Because what happened was uh, God released a plague uh, in the midst of these uh, people. Um, in verse 49, they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And so uh, there may be more examples of protesting in the Bible, uh, but we do see that God, God really doesn't, care for when his people murmur and complain against him because of all that he has done for us, what do we really have it to co complain about? What do we really have to protest about? We have nothing. We're, we should be grateful that we're still alive and that we're even here. And so for people to protest against God is, is really, you can protest at your own risk. Say whatever you want. You'll be judged by every word. Protest if you want, but you're doing that at your own risk because uh, what are we going to protest against God and he's not doing things according to what we want? Uh, again, who are we in all of this? Uh, and so uh, that is our comparison of our, uh, of our great constitution, our great First Amendment that we hold near and dear to our heart. That is aligned up with a, a greater document and a greater kingdom. And we see that there's clashes already between uh, the First Amendment and the, the kingdom of God. Uh, and so uh, as Christians and as Americans, uh, we have to make sure we are going to align are aligning ourselves with the one that is greater uh, while we are here because uh, only one is going to last forever, and that is not going to be our founding document. That's going to be the word of God. And so I'm grateful that God... Uh, orchestrated all of this that we can actually have the Word of God in our hands. We can hold it. We can read it so that we know what to align ourselves with and how to live our lives uh, because we're going to be judged by those books and the very words in it. And so uh, thanks be to God for providing these things and giving us that document. But I, uh, I, I don't want to clash with God's kingdom, but I want to align myself with His kingdom uh, and if we do that, we're going to do our best and uh, we uh, live according to our laws here, but we also have uh, to live according to the greater laws that are found in the Word of God. And we are uh, blessed that we are able to live here in this great country, uh, but don't let the freedom uh, get a hold of us like it gets a hold of everybody else. Just go and do whatever you want. There's no consequences. Yes, there are consequences. Because the Word of God says there are, and that's what we're going to live our life by because uh, that is the Word that stands forever. Amen. And I, I know that uh, we as uh, uh, Americans, we, we enjoy many of these liberties that many other countries today do not enjoy. And I think we can't, we can't imagine a world without a First Amendment. Yet there is a world out there that, that, that has no First Amendment. 
We can't imagine a world without a Second Amendment. Yet there, most of the countries in this world don't have a Second Amendment. And so we hold these things near and dear to our heart as it's inbred into our culture and our life, but we need to recognize that there's something greater out there that I want to align myself to, and that is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's close and worship tonight. Thank the Lord for what He's done, His grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. We thank you for your word. It leads and guides us, God. It's a light unto our path. Illuminates, God, in this dark world where we should walk. Help us to align ourselves with your word, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word. God, we stand upon them, Lord. Our foundation of our faith, we know, God, it's not going to fade away. It'll be always there, Jesus. We give you praise. We thank you. Amen, amen. Let's go and be uh, good citizens of our country and even better citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you all. Let's go and be a light and a salt of this world.